welcome to Prosper. I'm your host, Anna Maria Bliven, and today's episode is all about inclusivity in the workplace. You know, we as human beings just need to treat other human beings like human beings. And today's guest, Becky, is here to remind us of that. So stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Becky Kikula, and Becky has had quite a pathway to get to where she is today. Welcome, Becky. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you on Prosper as well, because this Prosper podcast is all about a pathway, pathway to Prosper. And there's different kinds of pathways, and it looks like you've had quite a a journey, and you're still on your journey Can you share some of what your journey has been like? Absolutely. So for those people who can't see me, because I know we're we're talking on this podcast and it depends on how people are tuning in, I am a person with dwarfism. And even when I'm sitting at a desk right, right now, you and I may be the same height, but my arms and legs are shorter. So I was born into a family where there's no history of dwarfism. So a lot of people get their perceptions of people with dwarfism from the media, negative perceptions predominantly because that's what there is. So when I was born, my parents had no clue what that meant for my future. Their only reference was elves and leprechauns and different characters that they had seen in fictional TV shows and movies. And they really needed to figure out how they were going to do their best to raise me, just like they tried with my older sister, who does not have dwarfism. So they did their research, tried to figure out really how to be an advocate on my behalf until I was old enough to be my own advocate. And when I was kind of going through my childhood, I was the only little person in my community. My mother was a teacher in my community. So I really think because people respected her as a teacher and as a human being, uh, they knew that they needed to be kind to me or they'd be in trouble. But as I got a little bit older, I started to kind of understand the fact that I was different and that people were going to point, stare and laugh, and it wasn't going to go away unless we change what we see in the media. I put people as real human beings, like we are, in front of the world so we can see more positive influences. And that kind of led to my desire to be a marketing major in college, really figure out how do we market the way that people are perceived and make that better. And I kind of stumbled upon some internship experiences that were related to the entertainment industry. And then I thought, you know what, light bulb, how do I work in this industry that can really make an impact on how people perceive people like me? I knew that I had to be a hard worker first, and then after that, I could start to voice what I was passionate about. But I thought, I'm going to go try to work in this industry, even though it's really hard to get into. I'm going to find a way to figure out how it works and then voice what I'm passionate about and get the support I need behind me. That was a really smart way to go. Yeah, it was not easy, but I kind of started my path in the kind of entertainment industry space. It took me a thousand applications, a hundred interviews, and four temporary job assignments before I was able to really get that foot in the door at a big talent agency that had a lot of influence. And I stayed in that industry for about six years and then 
ended up going back home. So working in the industry required me to move to New York or L.A. where it, there's a prominent presence. And then I moved back to the Boston area and started public speaking and sharing my own story helping advocate on behalf of children with disabilities who may be transitioning from one school to another or other community if their parents can't control their job changes and geographic moves that they need to make. And then I started working at the Actors Union in the diversity department in addition to continuing the speaking. And it's kind of something that I continue to do while I take on additional full-time jobs just to be able to cover benefits. And I also want to have something where I can be part of a larger group who's doing a bigger thing. And after the Actors Union, I started working for Disability Inn, where I work now. And it's going to be four years this week that I've been with the organization. And I'm really just passionate about helping corporate America get better at disability inclusion. And that may also include entertainment conglomerates. But the entertainment industry is a lot slower when it comes to wanting to be inclusive of people with disabilities. So we need to model the success of corporate America doing it and doing it right through the advisement of our organization, and then hopefully everyone else will follow suit. You know what? I really got to take my hat off to you. Perseverance. You are the queen of perseverance. Perseverance, (sighs) man. A thousand applications, a hundred job interviews, and you didn't let anything stop you. You were, you're, (laughs) you have a goal and the fact that you are determined to get the word out and to change the the culture, the, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. We have that frame of reference that Hollywood has given us, Uh right? And we have to overcome that Hollywood reference into reality of people's, people's reality. That's so true. And you're doing it. You're absolutely Uh doing it. And I take my hat off to you, Becky. Thank you. So in this pathway and the advocacy of which you are engaged, you yourself have grown quite a bit from this experience and you've developed skills that you did not ever think that you'd develop in the process, right? Right. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things is trying to shift gears with the pandemic and figuring out how do I still keep my voice present and voice out there? And even I, I had a, a baby three months ago, so I've been staying low key for a, a little bit as well, but still trying to keep a presence, especially during October, which was Disability Employment Awareness Month. There was a huge demand for making sure that the, our voices were still heard in the workforce. And a lot of different organizations are hosting different types of events around disability inclusion. So if they ask you to speak, you don't want to say no, because you don't want them to not have the programming. Right. But congratulations on your newborn. Thank you. And he also has dwarfism. And I think it just has caused the fire to get even bigger under my butt, I say, in order to make sure this work happens and change happens before he gets to the point where he's looking for a job. I don't want him to have to struggle. You know what? I, again, this is quite a path that you have for yourself. And now you've also got the next generation that you are working for, not just this generation. Absolutely. So 
how effective do you think you've been in the last six and a half years? It's a good question. I think there's a saying that goes, if you've met one person with a disability or one person with dwarfism, you've met one person with a disability or one person with dwarfism. So it doesn't mean that I'm like every single other person with dwarfism and they're going to have the same wants, needs, and desires as me. Same with all types of disabilities. So we all have different individual lived experiences, but I like to hope that by putting my voice out there, the amount of places that I've been able to share my story with people in the environment, I'm hoping that they've been impacted in some way or another to then treat whoever they see next that's like me or someone with a disability with respect and and are inclusive. Uh, When I kind of define success, it kind of ties to the people who I care about the most, the people I trust the most, wanting to make sure that it changes the way that they act towards people like me in a positive way. There are some people still that you may meet out on the streets that may make laugh, may laugh, make comments, point and stare. And you have to really assess if it's an educational moment and if you're able to change their mind. And then you also have to look out for your own safety. If you talk back to someone, are they going to be defensive and how's that going to go? So ideally, and (laughs) uh, hopefully even with an interaction, even with ignoring someone, if I maybe feel threatened that they're being a little too much in the way they comment, maybe that could still have an impact. Like it it didn't affect me, so they shouldn't be like that to the next person they see like me. And I, I really think it's hope, the hope is changing human behavior so people are kinder and give people with disabilities a chance. We're not saying give us an extra chance because we've been left behind for so long. We're saying just give us a chance to prove ourselves, participate, go through the interview process, and then you can still decide who's the best person for the job, but at least give people with disabilities a fair chance to participate in all aspects of society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give the person a chance just because Mm -hmm. they may look a little different speak a little different, whatever may be the cause for someone to be treated outside of what other people are treated. Let's stop that. <laughs> Let's I just agree. stop that. <laughs> you know, we're, we're into the diversity, inclusion, and equity, the DEI aspect of a newborn society is what it appears to be, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it's making sure that disability is part of that conversation and not just starting, oh, let's focus on gender and people of color first, and then we'll get to disability and LGBT inclusion. No, we need to start them all at the same time because that's what inclusion is about. Right. And it's all the makeup of society. I mean, when you start to think the different parts of society, every part of it needs to be included. Every part. Mm -hmm. And so you are absolutely right to include this also in with the conversation and go beyond conversation, and that is changing human behavior, which you and I both know is a hard road to hoe, (laughs) a a hard road to to trod, right? Talking about pathways. It it starts with finding people who are willing to change if you give them the tools to do things differently differently. And I think one of the biggest things that I try to emphasize and express is that you don't need to worry about mistakes you've made in the past. I'm not going to hold a grudge. When I'm in front of you, 
sharing my story and giving you advice. This is for you to improve and do better in the future. So don't get so hung up on mistakes you've made in the past when you didn't know any better. Like, let's figure out how to get better together going forward. I love it because this is two sides of that issue. You've got on the side of the person that is quote unquote different. And then you've got the side of the issue where the person who is having to withhold judgment because of observing the person that is quote unquote different. And uh-huh. why do people snap to judgment? I wonder that sometimes. I think it's just they assume, like, they're uncomfortable. People are uncomfortable around people with disabilities. I did a, a talk once. It was called the two-minute talk. And I compared the way that people treat people with disabilities the same as the way they treat celebrities. And it's they are fearful. They're they're assuming that these people are in a different universe and don't want to be treated the same way as other humans. But it really is just an interaction with another human. And you're going to learn so much if you open your mind and choose to accept. That's wonderful. Now, I also have another question for you. Those that you are advocating for, have you heard from mm-hmm. them? Have you have they said something like, you know, you've been to 350 some odd venues Thank you for stepping up for us and advocating for us. It has made a difference. Absolutely. I think uh, the people who I get excited about the most are those kids who I helped with their transition from the elementary to middle school or middle school to high school. And how I did that was I would go talk to the administrators, share the accommodations that I had growing up to see if that could help that student and then share my whole story in front of the whole student body so they could get to know me as a person who also happens to have a disability, like the person who's transitioning, to kind of ease the need to ask them a million questions, have them ask me the questions, I can answer them, and then hopefully it can be a smoother transition. I think what I enjoy the most is impacting even people who don't think they need to be influenced, uh, people who may have no association with disability, but then maybe it comes into their life later on. I, I do appreciate social media for that. The, the good parts of social media are when people can reach out and remind me that I've helped them out in some way or another, which that's why I do it. I, I don't take compliments very well because I just do it because what I want to do, but I try to acknowledge the fact that that was the purpose. Yeah, I get that, um, that you just keep on doing what you're doing out of the passion for for advocacy. But I got to tell you, it's a good feeling when you know that you're, it's taking effect. It's taking effect mm-hmm. on their side. It's taking effect on the, on the side of, of, of employers, of uh, potential employers. Because after all, this is all about being included in the workplace. Absolutely. And it starts from the first day. Of the interview. (laughs) It does. And it's important for employers to put it out there even before the interview. Put it out there that you're willing to make an accommodation if someone needs one because then they can let you know if they need one. And hopefully that will take away some of the awkwardness of the interview like what I experienced when I didn't put on my resume that I was a little person and I surprised people every time I walked in the door. And is that why that you had a 100 interviews and hardly any takers really? Absolutely. And and nobody felt comfortable enough to give me feedback. I could have been terrible at interviewing, but I don't know that because nobody told me. Oh, that's not good. 
It's one thing to go for the experience of interviewing. It's another to learn from it. And the only way that you can learn from it is if you do get feedback. Exactly. Well, I'm glad that you shared that. I'm also glad, Becky, that you are advocating for inclusivity uh, for on behalf of disabled people, not just the, the dwarfism, but everybody that is, quote unquote, looked at as being different. Happy to do it. Yes, yes. So is there anything that left that you might want to share while we have the attention of our audience? I just want to remind people to be kind and and be willing to learn. Ask questions. Don't make assumptions, especially when you're out with the child. Make sure that you allow them to stay curious. Don't pull them close to you when they see someone like me, like you think that maybe they're bothering us. We want to be interacted with. We don't want to be isolated from society. And you'll learn so much if you just go out tomorrow and try to find someone with a disability that you can relate to. And it really doesn't matter if it's a disability you can see or not. Most disabilities you can't see. So it may be something like cancer, diabetes, AIDS, epilepsy, people who are blind, low vision, you may not necessarily always tell or hard of hearing. Anyone with a mobility disability, put it out there that you're willing to assist them if they need help. But Let them decide if they want to take you up on the offer, but that shouldn't prevent you from forming a relationship. Thank you, Becky. You have uh, given us more information, and I believe that with that information, we can be more comfortable and relate a lot better. And therefore, everybody gets included, and we just have a society of uh, exactly what it is that we are building with diversity, inclusion, and equity. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for having me. Talking with Becky gives me a reminder that human beings are just human beings. Whether or not we are looked upon as being different or being similar, we're just human beings. And as such, we should be treated with the respect and the positivity and looked upon no different than anybody else, but looked upon what it is that we are all about. So that even in the case of dwarfism, such as what Becky is experiencing, she can just be herself. And she's had a thousand applications of all and just a hundred interviews. And in her advocacy of 350 plus venues, she is making a difference. And so I take my hat off to you, Becky, and I thank her also for taking a moment to being on this podcast of Prosper. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be having more of these episodes that will hopefully inspire you to just be you and be on the path to Prosper. Prosper.